The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal back at the ESPN studios. We are geared up, spring underway here. Nebraska already uh, up and running this morning. Uh, maybe a cup of coffee, a handful of Red Bull with a straw, and uh, pads will be popping this morning for football. You needed pads last night to survive Michigan and uh, the Nebraska women's game as they outlast Michigan 76-73. to And uh, a lot of topics to get into here as we look at spring football. Uh, really good stuff from uh, the media session earlier in the week with all the assistant coaches, with Coach Frost, and uh, really found some interesting uh, takes from, uh, from some of the new assistants. Numbers to get in. Can welcome uh, we welcome you to call in at uh, Hale Varsity Weekend four six six three seven seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity dot com, Mark at HaleVarsity dot com, and on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Cranack. What do you know? How's it going? I'm just surprised we're sitting here acting like um, Nebraska basketball hasn't reeled off two in a row. Are we really doing I, that? <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of how much positive we have talked about Nebraska basketball on this show over the last, I don't know, three years? Um, I think there was a high level of positivity with the Fred hire. Okay, fair. Yes. I think there was a high level of positivity after the, uh, the NC State game. With four overtimes. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. There has been a handful of times that we've done it, but they didn't even make your open. Well, let's They didn't even talk make about, your open. Come, I mean, he, here's the thing. Like, at spring football, <laughs> yeah. the Husker women are, are, are capturing the state, have captured the state. Fair. And then you have the NFL Combine performances by, uh, by Beef Jerky and Austin Allen. Nebraska plays tomorrow against Wisconsin, against Chucky and company. No, it's fun. It's cool to see Nebraska win two in a row. It's cool to see what Nebraska basketball's done the last two games. The point that ticks people off is that where the hell's that been all year? Not necessarily yeah. a 20 and, and, and seven record, flipping the record. But just the unselfishness. Why? Why did it take Trev making a statement for this to all of a sudden flip? 
I will say this in defense. Old Verge has been a uh, give-me-the-basketball type guard, a two-guard, and it, it can take folks a little while to, to learn the, the artistry of being a point guard, but he's been playing well. You, you've gotten guys that have you can count on one hand in the last two games the number of stupid shots they've taken. And yeah. they played defense. So they, they have they and themselves made, made right and they made shots. They have confidence. And you know why they made shots, Mark? It was the extra pass. It was unselfishness mm-hmm. that got him open. But uh just quite frankly an issue of trust or not wanting to uh to, to give up the basketballs plagued this team. In contrast, you have unselfishness. <laughs> you have the extra pass. You have grittiness. You have toughness. You have rebounding. You have uh, all of that with the Husker women. Did you watch much of last night at all? I didn't watch last night, no, but I've seen quite a bit of Enough, that. yeah. And now for folks not keeping up, they're in the final four, essentially, for the Big Ten yep. tournament. Well, it's, and take it's on your Iowa program. Today. They have Iowa on the docket today. Yeah. Yep. Six, uh, let's see, five o'clock tip, looks like. That's what I'm thinking, yep. Try, trying to get to the championship against mm-hmm. either Ohio State or Indiana. Sure. And yeah. how about Alexis Markowski, too? Oh, we, we love uh, what Alexis has done. We love covering her at Pius, and we're big Andy Markowski and Markowski family fans. Andy's how, a regular. She, you didn't think she was going to roll up on the set first year and put up these kind of numbers, right? I mean, I don't think many people did. You know, I First and Elijah, Elijah can find I she'd the, round into that eventually. Sure. Well, by by year two, right? But no, she was thrust into major major minutes, and then she had to step up due to injury with uh, a ton of minutes in the meat of this schedule. And guess what, man? She's a pretty high level competitor. I mean, obviously the the, the talents are vast, and she's big and strong and athletic but i think the mentality part mark is your difference bud i mean she came in grown up so to speak with how she wants to attack and carve up people in the paint and uh she goes about it she's unselfish she's gritty and she's just like her dad i mean just a tough tough ball player and we may have a comment we asked andy this week uh, you know, about Alexis's transition, and that's incredible to be freshman of the year. <laughs> did you expect it? Pretty much is the question. How did this happen? Good for you. Because there's a lot that goes from playing at PBA a year ago at this time <laughs> to playing in Chicago a year from now, you know, a year from then. Yeah, I, if, of course. And they're going to have their work cut out for them today against Iowa. It's a team that's uh, that's had Nebraska's number this year. Has you know two, you know, basically ten point wins, ninety three, eighty three, and ninety five, eighty six. Um, so maybe not a great matchup, but you got Jazz Shelley playing better now too, mm-hmm. uh, picking up the slack from behind the three point line when Nebraska lost quite a bit with the suspension of Scoggin or the removal of Scoggin from the roster. I guess what did she go for nine threes against Illinois? Um, so it's a team that's dangerous. They and you you said it, man. They they have a brand, you know. They have they play a certain distinct style, and it's it's pretty high octane 
<laughs> you know, they're not standing around like, you know, you know, that's been a complaint about the men's team for so long. It's just like mm-hmm. they just stand there and then one person goes to work. It's like that is not happening when you watch Amy Williams team. Uh, they move the ball and they move it with purpose and they play with pace and they're they're really aggressive. They're a really ag- aggressive offensive team and they're aggressive enough defensively. Mark Cranach with us, Chris Schmidt, uh, Elijah Herbal, Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio. We'll have a rewind, a one-on-one sit-down with Bill Bush, Nebraska Special Teams Coordinator, coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Cranach, I want to talk about some, some spring topics, and we know about Garrett Nelson's optimism. We heard from Coach Applewhite when it comes to the standard he wants at running back. Uh, Donnie Raiola touched on the, the mentality that needs to happen on the offensive line. There's Mark Whipple with uh, the quarterback room and just the offense in general. And then, of course, Mickey Joseph. I thought Mickey was great when it comes to talking about some of those guys that you've seen flashes from, but you need you need consistent stud performances in the receiver room. Uh, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, specifically with what he wants to, to get out of those kids uh, in the receiver room, the, the the slot position, and just what what Mickey's expecting here. Because I think you I think you have an offense that if they if they put it together could be pretty impressive, a lot of fun. And uh, I think there's just really a no-nonsense approach from Whipple. And the, the, the other kind of important part of this past week was just the, the, the burden that, that Coach Frost always looked like he was wearing. And you, you look at a president at the time of, they, of them taking office – compared to the time they, they leave office, they've aged 500 years, right, with the stress. You look at old Frosty from the hiring date to the end of last season, he is aged aged years just because of the stress and obviously the struggle. And now it feels like he'll have quite a bit of help that he can lean on and I think there's some comfort there, Cranach. I think there's some comfort with Frost this spring. I think there's some excitement because they can they can go get things figured out on offense. They don't have to play Saturday. Yeah, there's there's a lot in there. And, you know, you talk about the no-nonsense and time for results. It matches, you know, Mickey Joseph had that attitude. It matches where the fans are at now. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it matches where the media's expectations are now. It matches where, where everybody's at. Look, if if you look at the state of Nebraska's program, you are generally happy with things like strength and conditioning, things like facilities and momentum for facility. You're 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 generally happy with the apparatus around football, right? Mm-hmm. Well, once you say that, like the media team is good and they pump out awesome videos and you know the recruiting engine seems okay after kind of a year off it's been it's been rejuvenated you, you see how Austin Allen and Cam Jurgens, and soon you'll see how Cam Taylor Britt and Jojo Doman perform at the combine 
you feel like development is there. You know, the strength is good. The nutrition, all of that stuff. You just, where are the wins? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just, it doesn't make sense, man. You know, it just doesn't. And it's time to get W's and it's time to find those guys that are going to get you there and that care about the result. You know, we can talk all about like, it's about the process and the journey. It's, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, sometimes it's a sprint. Right, like Cranac, you're in the back. You're you're in the back seat right now, asking, "Are we there yet?" <laughs> Come on, right on 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 this journey, right? <laughs> this journey. It's not a journey. It's 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 you know it's Purdue. <laughs> Knock them off. Like <laughs> stop you know, losing to Purdue. You know, and and while you're reeling in talent like Omar Manning, like Xavier Betts. Yeah, I hope it's Joseph that is the guy that can pull the most out of them, you know, because the talent is obviously there, mm-hmm. obviously. And for a game or two, you'll get the production to match. It's like, what about 12 of those games? How about that? Right. And so, look, I, I feel the urgency around the team. I think it's welcome. Um, coaching transitions are hard, but f- at least from the outside looking in, it appears that the current crop is doing they're ingratiating themselves to the team they're they're being accepted right things are you're not having some weird resistance like you might have had like when riley and his staff came in mm-hmm. and they changed some things up there was this, these weird team i don't sense that i don't sense that with these guys at all so you hope it pays off you hope it pays off Cranach, let's dive into something Whipple talked about, and that's getting the ball to the best player. Who's Nebraska's best guy on offense? Do we know? Don't think so. Who do you think that guy could be? Hmm. We can't, can't answer. Yeah. I don't know. You can't answer that question. Not yet. You can't say it's, it's not Vokalek. He's no, good. He's, but you can't say yeah. he's best player. No, can't say it's bets because you just haven't seen consistency thing. Yeah, can't say it's Manning. Can't say it's Alante Brown. Can't say Ramir? it's yet. Do you go with Ramirez? No, I don't. I don't think he has best player on the team ability. To be honest, that's fine. But good. I'm saying, well, um, there's production. I mean, he's it. He's it. I mean, he's been your most consistent guy. I think he he, he answered this question. Is, is the, no, it, that's that's the point. I mean, that's part of the task, right? In the Whipple offense, let's force feed the, the best player on the team and make him stop said best player. Being in, in, in that, that best player on the team on third and three, got a, got a shotgun snap and, and ran for four or was asked to bail the team out in a one-score game or had a two-minute drill opportunity to drive the field for a win, he's down in Manhattan right now. <laughs> Your best player packed up and is gone. And you're wondering about Casey Thompson, super talent. You're wondering about the, uh, the, the Juco running back, Anthony Grant. Is he a guy that emerges? You're wondering about Yant. You're wondering about Omar and Manning, I should say Omar in, in um, bets with what they can do, right? 
Uh, and then Vokalek's out with the injury. So, yeah, I mean, that's what's cool about this spring is you're going to have to find two or three dudes that are your are your go-tos because the, uh, the, the roster's there for you to – it's there for the taking. Yeah. And don't you feel like I, – I do feel like that you have viable options. I think yes. there's been some years where you look in, you know, you come into the year and you're like, Jeez, I hope this one person in particular steps up because <laughs> that's kind of your only option at insert position here. But I do really feel like you have plenty of capable players. And it's just, you know, it's almost like math that a couple of them are going to grab hold, right? Like just probability wise. Mm hmm. Things are looking good that somebody's going to grab a hold of this thing. <laughs> you have plenty of backs. Anthony Grant looks good in these few videos that we've seen there come out. Yeah, uh, he looks fast. He looks like he has burst. Everybody's there's talking no one, about there's no one hitting him. There's no one hitting him. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's his specialty. That's, People yeah. try to hit him and they can't. he doesn't get hit. Yes, no, I love it. He doesn't. Craig, we'll get into this with uh, with Sharpie coming up as we we wind down here. Uh, we'll. Hear from Bill Bush coming up as well, Nebraska special teams coach. Great to sit down with Coach Bush again. What's your take on kind of the the feedback? And this came out uh, yesterday, and Mitch Sherman tweeted it out. And you're uh, you're a little closer to the situation. But you had Zane Flores out of Gretna, right? Talented quarterback. You know that, uh, that Zane... Uh, has been offered by K-State and then Oklahoma State and then Coach Leopold down at Kansas. And that's that's great. That's incredible. That's that's impressive. But now Ohio State's quarterback coach got into contact with Flores and they are working on getting him up to Columbus to work him out and then maybe offer him. We'll see how he does. He was at a, a junior day in Lincoln and was I was told didn't have the best workouts. Uh, that's just one workout. He's got a great body of work at Gretna. So you have this reaction of, okay, what the hell? Uh, Nebraska has a quarterback that Ohio State's interested in in-state. There's this renewed emphasis for in-state recruiting. You've seen it. There's a bunch of 2023 kids. And meanwhile, you go get... Uh, Watson out of um, out of Massachusetts has your 2023 guy. What do you what do you think about this uh, this situation here with Nebraska maybe having yet another in-state quarterback, and this may be another in-state kid that gets away. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult. It's something to watch because you know when when Oklahoma State Oklahoma State when they came into the picture mm-hmm. that. That woke me up a little bit. Kansas State, they're, you can understand. Really I think program. that's happened. Yeah. yeah, that's happened quite a bit. Where, you know, you have these Division One quarterbacks that uh, that Kansas State's interested in that Nebraska's not, and they go to K State and they don't light it up, and they're 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 okay players, but they're not mm-hmm. great. And so it's sort of like that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know, you're not really worried about K State offering quarterbacks, but Oklahoma State. Hey, now, I mean that's that's an offense that routinely puts up numbers big time and root yeah and routinely has quarterbacks that put up ungodly numbers and play a certain style and i'm just sort of like huh 
okay because it's not like any of us are you know good enough college talent evaluators to really know the nuanced differences of what they're looking for you know but when i see zane flores to me he looks like he looks good enough to play division one football Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just like yeah quick release good size wins really good arm strengths yeah yeah wins games dual threat like yeah he looks good looks good I, I don't know what separates him from being a Akron quarterback to a Nebraska quarterback totally like it's you know it's a little tough to pick out um, but now if you have Ohio State sniffing around which look Ohio State basically drafts they don't recruit <laughs> so you know they're he's on their radar he's they're looking at him as a late rounder if the other ones fall through I, I don't, it's not like he's the, their priority quarterback right now. Um, they have their pick of the litter. But if he offers and Nebraska doesn't, or if if Ohio State offers and Nebraska doesn't, you know that's 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 just that's a hand grenade. And and you need to. And Jacob Bedella and Elijah hit on this yesterday. Listen, you recruit to a scheme, you recruit to a fit, and. Where's the fit with uh, with a Flores in reference to, to what Watson did? And you had the, the hierarchy here, right? And as a Nebraska fan, you look at what's the quarterback board look like? Well, you had Johnson out of, out of Mays, Kansas, right? You had Cole out of Iowa. And then... You had those two guys that were kind of the priority. They were looked at. Nebraska got in late on Johnson. And then here's the connection you have with Whipple and uh, and Watson back in Massachusetts all the way back to sixth grade. This is really Whipple's guy, uh, and this is who he wanted. And, and now you have Flores – kind of have has always been like sort of around the radar and I don't see Nebraska taking a second quarterback unless somebody in that quarterback room leaves which which could happen well but if you look at the snapshot of all the quarterbacks you have now and you and who has eligibility how many of them are back next year probably not all of them right how many, how many are back the year after that? Probably even more are gone. It's just the reality of it. So mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that makes the in-state recruiting and the thing that bugged me about Joe Burrow back in the day, because just for all intents and purposes, you almost consider him an in-state recruit because of the legacy, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to legacy and in-state, the same rules apply. And that's, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? You, look, you already have a transient roster where 33% of guys come and go anyways. So don't act like, oh, there's no room on this team. There will be room, like tomorrow. It, it just it changes all the time. The roster is constantly shifting. So don't. So that's no good excuse because it just you can make it work. And then two, what, what, what are they going to be? Are they going to be a locker room cancer? Are they going to be? Are they going to not work hard? Are they going to not culturally understand it? No, they will most likely come in and be among the hardest workers, completely understand the gravity of all the situations. And they won't be locker room cancers. They will be team players. 
Like, if you're an instater or if you're a legacy, that's just how you're going to... So what's the worst that can happen? You have this great locker room guy that works his earth off mm-hmm. for four years but doesn't start? Cool. <laughs> right? That doesn't hurt you. Pushes the other guys. It's just, you know... Well, if, it goes back. It kind of goes Flores, back to, to 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 Noah Walters. Like, dude got a D one offer, and he's at North Alabama, and that just locally around here, Lincoln, that that hacked a lot of us off that have seen him play and, and thrive for a lot of years. I mean, is he a scholarship offer? I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a college Division one coach, but damn, I think he's good. I think Flores is good, and. Yeah. Now, there's two things here. One, what's what was the communication like with from Nebraska to Flores in the wintertime? All right. We don't know. Good, bad, ugly, we, we don't know. Two, if you win, it really don't matter. I mean, if if Watson comes in and wins the job here in a few years, we're getting way down the, the pike here. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm just – but you know how it is. It's – week of spring ball and if he's good enough for Ohio State how come he's not good enough for Nebraska that's some of the fan sentiment out there well it's I think it's fair though I think it's 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 fair you don't have enough division one guys every year in the state of Nebraska where you can afford to be picky about them (laughs) what do you get like six seven eight players maybe Mm-hmm. out of the well, state that are Division it, it, it's, scholarship it's, it's growing. I mean, this weekend, it's Hall out of Bell West. It's Maverick Noonan. It's Malachi Coleman. There's there's yeah. three in-state dudes for 2023, and then there's and so on. many other Iowa and Kansas City and, and, and Missouri and Kansas prospects and targets they're going after. So we'll talk a little recruiting Coming up, we always invite you to download and subscribe to the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, take us with on, on your time and uh, give us a review, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take it. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is uh, where you can find Hail Varsity Radio. Hour two, we're uh, excited to check in with Brandon Vogel. And, and Cranach, maybe we can talk some Nebraska basketball men with, uh, with Vogues. Uh, since we aren't giving Fred and the crew enough credit for two wins in a row. Or baseball, God. One well, win in that, a row. That, that hurt. That hurt last night. The walk-off loss, man. Yeah. They got to uh-huh. bounce back. That uh, that was a little rough. But we'll, uh, Cody Steph- Frank, huh? Frank was money. Man, six uh-huh. and a third and ten strikeouts, and that's what you need. Good stuff uh, uh, from Cody Frank yesterday. But Bill Bush on the way will step away. As uh, we continue on a weekend edition, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with you, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some college football, some spring football. And uh, Gary Barnett with us, Hall of Fame coach, Northwestern and Colorado, also uh, at Missouri. Coach, I mean, scale of 1 to 10, how bad's the struggle right now with your golf game? <laughs> well, with 10 being the worst, I'd say it's maybe 10 and a half right really? now. So, what's, um, go- what's going well, on? It, it, it just comes and goes. Right now it's my driver, and so I – 
I just don't have any rhythm with it. I got to, you know, I'm, I'm tinkering too much and probably listening to too many articles and, uh, reading too much. So, you know, I can do that. I can overthink this thing pretty easily. <laughs> well, at least you're having fun overthinking. Uh, just get a new driver, coach. Well, that's always been my solution in the past, Chris, but that gets expensive. I bet. I bet. Well, I want to talk. But you can a- trade them in, you know. You can just trade them in. They're, 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 they're uh, highly uh, negotiable. So. Well, there's new technology out every year, man. You got to stay up, right? So, well, <laughs> let me know how that goes. I want to get your thoughts uh, when it comes to uh, th- this time of year, spring football, and had a lot of fun earlier in the week with uh, the roundtable with the Nebraska assistants and the spring football press conference. Uh, your thought, Coach, on just that, that urgency in spring and would like your your take on, on your approach for uh, looking at a player. Nebraska's got a lot of three- and four-year guys at different spots, but some of the secondary, some on the defensive line. What was kind of your rule of thumb with moving on from a kid or – sticking with a kid that maybe hadn't popped yet, might have been a high-profile recruit. How did you uh, assess all of that here with uh, when it came to, to development or, or going to the next guy? Well, there's, there's two things I would immediately jump out as you just delivered the, those two questions. One is the number one thing is there is no urgency in spring ball. And the minute you start to think there is – uh, you're going to overlook something. The, the beauty of spring ball is you can take it as slow as you want to go, as slow as you need to go, and you got to assess that need. But there is no sense of urgency. You don't have to have anything ready at the end of the spring football. At the end of the spring, you probably have a pretty good idea where your defense is, but your offense is – there's so much time for your offense to continue to improve at the end of spring football – that you don't want to you don't want to rush to judgments and you don't want to be too quick with all that stuff, um, and, and you don't want to overlook anything. At this point in time, spring football is about going back to basics and uh, gro- you know ingraining in uh, a groove, a practice, uh, techniques, that sort of stuff. You don't have to have a game. You have to be game ready on Saturday. You don't have to see any film. You don't have to watch an opponent. So. It's all about making every player better and seeing how things progress, given experimenting with different players at different positions, uh, experimenting with offensive plays or defensive schemes. It's, it's, it's truly, for me, was a really fun time. As far as the guys go, the kids go, the players, you know, I had a standing rule, apples, don't ripen at the same time. Mm. And so, you know, you really only, when you look at recruiting classes, and I don't care where you are, um, if you hit on 50, if 50% of your guys that you recruit start, you're doing pretty well. So it comes with the business. You just, things just don't develop. People, players quit developing, players end up with different issues, coaches leave. You know, uh, and so that hurts their development. Uh, there's just so many things that factor in to uh, why and when a kid all of a sudden develops or if he doesn't develop. So, again, I, 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 I preach patience. I always 
priest patients, and you're you sit in their living room, and you've promised to be a surrogate father to every one of these young men, and so you have to carry out that responsibility. If you say you're going to do something, do it, mm-hmm. and so that means you don't give up on your own kid after two years or three years. Now, if it's in his best interest and he knows it, then the two of you have a discussion and you help him get someplace else. But it's got to be mutual. The, the young man has got to come to the conclusion that that it, he just probably isn't going to fit in. He's not going to get to play. You know, some of the, some guys there came to Nebraska because they love Nebraska. And that's value, and that's valuable. That's valuable in the locker room. And so you want to be very, very careful with all that, and you want to meet all your responsibilities. Everything that you said you were going to do, you want to do. The minute you start um, falling back or not delivering on what you said you were going to do, you lose your locker room. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's very – you've got to be very careful with that. You've got all these new assistants. And, uh, you know, not everybody's going to, you know, jive with them right away. So you got to have time. And that's the beauty of spring football. The the vibe and, and mood and kind of feel with Scott Frost, Gary Barnett's with us. He seemed way more relaxed this spring, even though there's some urgency and, and you touched on what spring's all about. Coach, knowing Coach Whipple like you do, How's how's his uh, expertise, his experience, going to help Scott out? It just it, it it yeah, it's spring, it's not fall. I get it, but how's he how's he going to be able to lighten the pressure if there is such a thing with Scott? Well, Whip's been through everything, okay, and he's learned through every one of those situations you go through if you don't learn it was a waste of time and so he's learned and 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 scott can learn from that scott's learned you know just uh you know his the way he reacted so many times this fall like i mean he he knows he's he knows they're close and so um if you've done this long enough and whipple has and some of these other guys have then you know it's a process and it, it, you just don't change it overnight. And they were so close. It reminds me of in 2000, we were almost exactly the same thing. We almost, you know, about the same record. And we, I don't, I think we may have lost one game by double digits, but all the other games we lost by single digits. And then we all knew it was close, but we, we had to put the noise out. We had to close, shut the noise off because, you know, everybody's clamoring and everybody's got an opinion why you're not any good, why you're not winning. And so, and then all of a sudden, the, the kids had confidence, coaches had confidence coming out of spring ball. And uh, we took that same season and we had the great 2001 season we had. And, then, you know, I see Nebraska right on, um, right on the verge of that same sort of thing. There was just too many good things that happened last year. And so many pundits have written the same thing. You know, it's, uh, I mean, everybody knows it. You got through it. Here's the beauty. He got through it. He survived. Not all his coaches survived. He survived. So now let's use all that, that valuable experience and education we got last year going through this and turn it into the next level. So, you know, that, that's what's going on in those meetings. 
Gary Barnett's with us a few minutes, Tale Varsity Radio. Coach, I want to go back to that 2000 season. Is that the year you, you took the, the Buffalo decal off the helmet? Uh, we took that off. Uh, yeah, I think it was. You know, it caused some stirs. We, we, we only took it off for a game. No, you know, but, I mean, we, you guys won at A&M yeah. the, the next yeah. week. I mean, you got the result, right? right? <laughs> That's right, and we beat we beat A&M. Exactly right. How was, how, you know, from that motivational tactic, how did uh, how did kids react to that? What, what, what was that experience like? Oh, it, it wasn't a fun experience for any of us. I mean, it was a really hard decision to do, and if, if, I wouldn't have done it if it if the idea hadn't come from a couple former Buffalo players that were on my staff, uh, John Embry and and uh, the enemy, and um, a couple other guys, Brian Cabral. You know, I there's no way I would have done it without consulting with former players, and so it was <laughs> it caused a ruckus. I can tell you that, and um, it caused a ruckus in our locker room. But, you know, sometimes that's what you need. You need that to happen. You know, it's, you get complacent or you, you, you know, it needs to be shaken up every once in a while. So I would say if you were judging that decision is would you do it all over again? I probably wouldn't. Okay. But, uh, but I did. And uh, it, it so happened that we upset a big team the next week. So, you know, maybe it worked. It wasn't fun doing it. I can tell you that. <laughs> Did you just take arrows for all we? I mean, you probably. Oh, just... I took arrows. I was wearing arrow shirts for a month, <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh yeah, all sorts of arrows. Yeah. Gary Barnett's with us, Coach. Uh, Athletic has a good story out. David Ubin uh, is is projecting five teams to make a leap, and uh, anytime you're in in company with these names, I think it's a good thing, but. They've they've all underachieved. I don't know that that A and M did uh, so much as the way they finished was pretty strong. But you know, Clemson was still ten and three. The five teams: SC, Florida, Nebraska, A and M, and Clemson. Uh, do you agree with uh, those five picks as we look forward to fall? Are these five teams you think could could make a big leap? Well, it's it's you're in pretty good company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at the at the recruiting base and history at Clemson that's not a hard that's not a hard pick and you see what's happened in the recruiting to A&M and uh, you know what a potential great place that is so that one's not hard to pick SC isn't certainly isn't that hard especially when you see the accumulation of talent they've had through the portal just in six months so that one's not hard Florida Florida you know that's a little tougher pick for me I think just because a new coach, new system, uh, and I'm not sure that's one I would have put in that. I'm not sure who else I would have put in. I have to do the research on it, but I don't think that's one I would have put in there. So you're in pretty good company, and then Nebraska, so it's pretty good company that you're in. Well, what do you the, – the, the names say it all, and I think SC's, like you touched on, is good. I think A&M could uh, – I mean, Jimbo keeps recruiting at a high level. I, I don't know what his quarterback situation is. I know Clemson was young on the uh, the lines of scrimmage last year, but they're they're pretty loaded talent wise. When you look at Nebraska, is it is it a big ask to see a monster jump with a 
uh, a new, not completely new staff, but uh, a lot of new staff in a first year? Uh, it's a bit of a reach, I think. But, um, you know, you've got enough players around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had valuable experience last year. I, I think the key is going to be quarterback. Now, we did it in 2001 uh, with a, a quarterback who managed the game. And so we had, you know, we could rely on our offensive line, our running backs, um, the and and then our defense, uh, especially our secondary. So we we had all the holes filled. We had we needed a quarterback who wouldn't make mistakes, could throw the ball accurately, and get us in the right play. And uh, we we didn't need much more out of him. And that's pretty much what we had. We had two different quarterbacks that year. And so. Uh, this game today is more of a quarterback-oriented uh, process, and so uh, I think it really comes down at, at this point in time this year is is the how Casey Thompson plays. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, Casey, can he stay healthy? And it sounds like from a leadership standpoint, he's he's really uh, done well with his team. Coach, last thought. Let's talk swag for a moment. Saw this story. Uh, about recruiting swag and it kind of went into Kevin Sumlin showing up in a helicopter for recruiting. What's the fanciest you ever got for, for uh, making a trip to a recruit's house? I never wanted to do something like that. I didn't, I never wanted to make that statement. The, the, the only thing I ever did that was close to that is I might have five or six or seven assistants okay. all show up at one, one kid's house in one day. And so, um, it was a fight, uh, with the, with the AD, uh, as to why in the world I would have seven assistants all fly to someplace in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and the cost of that, that was, that was always an issue at Colorado, but that's, that's about the most, uh, you know, I used to go to the, uh, I'll tell you how how I was different. I used to go by myself to most of those okay. to recruits house. I didn't necessarily like going with another one of my players. I'd uh, coaches. Mm-hmm. I'd like to show up by myself. And, uh, to me, I thought that made a bigger statement than anything else. So it's just how you view it, perceive it, man. The, uh, the, uh, the, the limos, uh, old Jack Pierce. Yeah. I never did that. Never Jack, did that. Jack had always, he'd always say, uh, well, we're going to get a Cadillac, Tom. <laughs> he made, he made coach Osborne read a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and it's a different time now. So. Oh yeah. That's good. Coach. Uh, good luck with the golf game. Thanks for a few minutes. You bet, bud. Good, good being with you, Chris. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We uh, heard from Gary Barnett last uh, half hour in the Rewind. We'll get uh, Bill Bush loaded up 
and uh, hear from the Nebraska special teams coach in uh, future editions of the weekend Hale Varsity. And I'm going to welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine Brandon L. Vogel with this on Twitter's where you follow him. Vogues, what are you doing this morning? Thanks for the time. Well, I got up at uh, about 7, got the smoker going, so do some barbecue today. Um, and enjoy that while watching the women's basketball. Hopefully continue their march through, well, March. No, that's that's about right. Now, what are what are we putting on the smoker, Vogues? No, just a pork butt. Just do some pulled pork. Kind of the, uh, I want to barbecue today, but I just decided so like 12 hours ago. So it's pretty simple <laughs> and straightforward and uh, produces that typically uh, pretty consistent results. So you nothing still, too elaborate. You doing? You still doing the mustard over the top of it? You're, you're yeah, I do. It. Yeah, you, yep. you need the binder for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever get like crazy with mustard? I mean, do you go, I don't know, the, the gray poupon route or is it just the yellow Frenches? No, it's it's not even the yellow Frenches. It's the grocery store brand uh, yellow mustard. Because if I'm just going to use it to basically get the spices to stick to this huge hunk of pork, because uh, you don't taste it, like it's it's on the smoker for so long that you get no real mustard flavor from it. So whatever's eighty nine cents or less, that that'll work for this purpose. Hey, you read Brandon Vogel because he's incredible. You follow Brandon Vogel because he's incredible, and then he has barbecue advice that is quite frankly to die for. You are the. Uh, the brains behind the uh, the short ribs, because you said, "Brother, put them in hot sauce," and uh, that bind was was incredible, and it didn't it didn't smoke anyone out. No pun intended. I mean, it wasn't too hot. <laughs> the binding's a key. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you can. I know, like the pure pure barbecue pur- purists uh, are just like ah, just salt and pepper. That's all you need, and you can make really good barbecue that way. I mean barbecue is is mostly about fire management uh depending on on how you do it so um and having a lot of patience so well this leads into football beautifully for spring between patience and fire management um okay so what what position group on the offense is going to be the one that binds this team Ooh, um I, I think I think you got an outside shot at quarterback. Uh, you know, we know Kate Thompson uh, is well. Mark Whipple told you straight up he, he was first team quarterback on day one, and Chubb Purdy is a little nicked up or whatever is happening there. So I think you always have a chance with the quarterback there. I think the best development for Nebraska, however, would be if it becomes the offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. Not just in the kind of classic, you got to be good on the line to win football games. And there's there's that piece of it, but you know, you think back to those the great Nebraska teams, and, and those old lines were 
we're, we're not just very, very good, at, uh, good as a unit and also good individually and in winning all these individual accolades. They were, you know, kind of a key piece of binding that team together. Um, so if Nebraska were able to get close to that in 2022, I think that's the best way forward. And what is the likelihood of that? Let's be honest. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea the likelihood of anything with Nebraska football so far going into to 2022. I mean, I feel like the defense will be will be okay. Um, and I don't mean okay like they're going to go back to average. I, I would expect them, just based on what they lost, to maybe take a slight step back in a couple of categories. But so far, Eric Schneider and his staff's track record at, at Nebraska is really pretty strong, and it feels like the the known here. Um, offensively, you could tell me almost anything would happen over there, and it, it's it's kind of tough to refute at this point. I mean, it's hard to – somebody's going to lead the team in rushing. Somebody's going to lead the team in reception. Somebody's going to lead the team in passing. <laughs> but it's hard to point to any, any one person and say, well, that's clearly the guy that's going to do that. Vogues, I uh, wanted to get your take here on, you mentioned the defensive side of the ball. We, we've hit on the offensive side a little bit, but just your, your overall takeaway from, from Monday. Uh, is there an assistant that you are intrigued by? Or even speak a moment on Frost, just his mood and kind of vibe. What did you think? Um, just overall mood, I guess, going into the spring. How does it feel and seem to you? Yeah, with Frost, you know, I guess these things could be seen could seem contradictory, but you know, off the top, like he seemed pretty relaxed to me. And I mean, I know it's kind of easy to feel that way at the at the start of spring, um, but but relaxed while being a little bit energized. You know, we are we are past the the. the tough coaching decisions that had to be made at the end of last year. And part of that never goes away with, I think, the relationship he had with with some of those coaches who are no longer here. But yet you have to move forward. You know, Nebraska has some real urgency to, to make their record reflect what they've actually been um, and hopefully even better than what they've actually been. Um, so there, there's that piece of it too, but it, now it feels like we have fully kind of closed, closed the back cover on that previous book and we're starting a new one. And, and I think he got, or at least I got a little bit of a sense of that from Frost, you know, among the, among the coaches, I don't know if it was surprising, but I, I sat there and watched all 20 or 25 minutes of, of Mickey Joseph and, and came away really impressed, you know, just you could see with the way that he, you know, talked about players and how how he's so good at, at forming those connections. And you know, he's he's a guy who has been at a place like LSU for a long time, and obviously played at Nebraska. He's been where like these places where the attention is that intense, and doesn't you know, not a surprise again, but doesn't seem to bother him at all. It's like you know, we're here to get this done. Um, so I, I, I came away even seeing more, I think, of what we probably expected when Nebraska made that hire. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You saw Brian Applewhite in a video released by the athletic department and got a few uh, running back snippets, few highlights. Um, and in particular, at least in that video, it's a small snapshot, but Anthony Grant 
couple house couple house calls. Um, do you think he moves to the top of that depth chart? Like, what does that running back depth chart look like to you coming out of spring? Yeah, coming out of spring. I mean, I think he he's got a, a really good chance, um, and you've got you bring a guy like that in for that reason. And Nebraska's had <laughs> it, it hasn't had a, a perfect track. Well, nobody has a perfect track record. It hasn't had the strongest track record doing that from the junior college level of late. So if, if that were to be the case, I would consider that a, a pretty good development. I look at this running back room as, you know, he's kind of one of the change agents. I think Yant has the opportunity to, to be a mover this, this spring. You know, it's, it, he, we know about what it took to – why he didn't play previously, saw him in spurts, saw him look pretty promising at times. And now it's kind of like, okay, you've had this kind of message of here's what you need to do to get on the field. We like your talent. We see it. Uh, we need you to do X, Y, and Z for us to be fully able to, to utilize it. Um, has that message like fully seeped in now? And, and do we see a different kind of approach in, in the spring? Then you got kind of the rest of the group who are all there. And, you know, Ramir Johnson might start out just based on last year near the top of the group. Um, but he's probably going to have to have the same approach and same work ethic, I think, that got him on the field last year to maintain that spot. Vogues, uh, a thought with um, you mentioned the. Uh the running backs, and I, I want to get your take on inside linebacker, bud. I mean, we know that that Reimer's dinged, and, and I think both those linebackers really played their butt off. But by season's end, I mean, there was a monster toll. And to be fair, they weren't what they were, and nor should they be, even at midseason or Michigan State weekend, okay? they need They need a... A rotation to go and you've got some names you've got maga clements that's a senior uh he's been around you've you got snodgrass that's dinged as well so you have henrich but uh gabor and randy kapai and seth malcolm how how vital is it in your opinion that we see some other inside backers flash this spring yeah, I think it's it's pretty important. You know, you've got Kolarovich there, although Eric Schnander said that they're looking at him as some, you know a little bit in the nickel spot. Um, mm-hmm. So could see some some movement with with that. I mean, the guys that you mentioned, you, you've got this kind of redshirt freshman class coming up with 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 three guys in there between Malcolm Gabayor and Kapai and, and you'd really like to see one of those guys have have a really strong spring. Um, Ernest Hausman, a, a true freshman, like I'm high on him long term. Um, but it, you know <laughs> that w- it would be it would be a big ask to to kind of be up and up and going for your first fall. For, I mean, it's tough for any true freshman, but you're talking inside linebacker in the Big Ten. That's just a, you know, there's outside the SEC, you're not going to get a much more physical 
demand than playing that position in in this league. So, you know, I think I think Nebraska will be okay. It'll be a good spring for for some of those guys to have that opportunity and really get a lot of reps because you look at guys like Reimer and Henrich, like they don't need a ton of reps right now. <laughs> they, they played a ton of reps last year, uh, which, as you noted, was was sort of the problem by the time you got to years in. So. Nebraska got an opportunity to build depth. I mean, you look at that linebacker group, not just inside, but but outside with your top two there and, and Nelson and Tanner. And I mean, it's it's probably the best position group on the team. And if you can be really good at linebacker in this league, you've got a shot. I mean, I think that helps Nebraska kind of cover up the other two people parts of this defense, the other two levels where they are replacing, you know, a good amount of production in the secondary and on the line. When you look across the defense, losing JoJo Doman really just uh, it's it's a big deal because he's such a havoc guy. You know he's he's good off the edge, putting pressure on the quarterback. He you know intercepts passes. He covers really well. Is there anybody defensively that stands out as that sort of off script playmaker? Who do you think has that potential? on the defensive side of the ball for Nebraska? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think Reimer and Henrich have that ability. Now, part of what allowed them to just eat up tackles between the two of them is that they can also just be really kind of heady and be where they're, they're supposed to be. And the defensive line did a really good job of doing that in front of them, too. I, I think Miles Farmer. Has has the potential to be that kind of player. I mean, you you see, he's a safety, but you know the way things work in, in today's college football, one of your safeties a lot of the time is is going to be used to to help against the run, particularly in the Big Ten where you see a lot of run heavy teams. Um, and I, I've just been I, I like Miles Farmer coming out of high school, so maybe that it's a little bit of confirmation bias I'm hoping for here. Um, but I think he is the player who kind of has the, the the size and the the greatest improvisational toolkit to to become that player that you're just like yeah somehow he's always around the ball and somehow he's always making plays. He's he's a pretty valuable kind of Swiss Army knife type player in my mind. Brandon Vogel's with us here Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio and Brandon in the same vein to that last question. Who on the defense do you think has the opportunity to make the biggest leap between last year and this year? It might be it might be Hutmacher in the middle. I mean, Nebraska. You know, we'll we'll see how spring spring practices continue to shake out. But right now, it looks like looks to me like they've got a lot of chips on on his development because there's there's not a ton of guys when you go down the roster and look like oh yeah well that's your that's your tackle that's your guy in the middle. He is one. Um, you know, I think I'm forgetting which player said it at this point. Uh, Might have been Nelson. You mentioned, you know, he's probably the strongest guy on the team. Uh, storied, storied high school wrestler. Like a guy who came to Nebraska with a ton of expectations, got got his chance to to get some snaps in last year, and now Nebraska really needs him to to take a jump. And I think I think the potential is there for him to do it. So he's the first one I'd highlight on defense. Going to jump in real quick, Vogues, before Cranach has a hoops question for you. 
expectations for Fedoni this spring, aside from stay healthy? Yeah, pretty pretty high. I mean, you, you play the who could lead this team and be receiving yards or receptions game, and you, you got a bunch of options. None of them feel like a sure thing, and Fedoni isn't yet either. We, we haven't seen enough of him. But you look at the skill set, you look at some of what Whipple did at Pitt, um, and just his versatility, uh, all the ways he can – be a potential matchup problem for teams if he comes along as expected. Um, he, he's one who I would put, like, it wouldn't surprise me if we got to the end of the year and, and you've got a quote-unquote tight end who I think if, if he were to lead the team in receiving uh, in, in some capacity would be used pretty creatively. So, you mentioned Nebraska has a lot of chips on Huttmacher. I kind of view them as having a lot of chips on Fedoni too this spring. Grenak, are you muted, bud? Yeah, I was there. My bad. Um, you know, I got a, <laughs> got a hoops question. And I'm going to describe a few of the players and then just kind of get your, your take here on maybe what you agree or disagree with and then the ramifications. So at point guard, you have Alonzo Verge, where I do not think it's hyperbole. He's among the quickest and best ball handlers in the nation. I, I don't think there's any question about that. That dude can shake anybody at any point. You have Bryce McGowans, who's the rising freshman who is increasingly getting more more aggressive and finding more ways to score. You got his brother Trey, who's a defensive stalwart. You have um, Derek Walker, who is, you know, maybe playing out of position as a five, but just an effective four. Really good field goal percentage, pretty solid player. But it kind of feels like maybe one of the sparks that has changed Nebraska's fortunes recently is C.J. Wilcher, who's all of a sudden becoming this assassin from three-point land and getting more minutes as Hoiberg has shortened his bench. You put all that together, and is it, it's still tough for me to fathom the results that this team has had considering the individual pieces that they have on the roster. Am I overselling their talent? I don't think they're very big. I think that hurts them in the Big Ten in particular, size-wise. Yeah. But, man, it's not like you're lacking for skill and ability on this team. No, you're definitely not lacking for, for skill on the team. And I think, you know, the, the size piece of it is is there. Like, And I think part of the reason, you know, we, we look at Derek Walker, and he's kind of one of the most universally beloved uh, members of this team. And – because he plays really well down there, but you can also, you know, to, to go back to a, to a Bob Diaco term, you, you can see the strain. Like, it's tough when you're a six nine five in in the Big Ten, and, you know, Purdue's going to come out and just run an ever-ending stream, it seems, of guys that are 7'3 or so. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard in there, and it's, it's not the ideal setup, but Derek Walker puts in the effort, and he has success doing it. Um, so, so you really see it with him. You know, Verge has been <laughs> – he has a, a wide variance between being maddening at times and, and being really good, and he's been really good of late. I mean, I think you look at these last two games for Nebraska, uh, and, and they, the fact that they, they came after Alberts comes out and said, yeah, Hoiberg, Hoiberg's our guy going into 
to next season. And to me, you know, this was definitely reading between the lines, but like, it, it was an indication of just how heavy this this season had gotten for, for everyone involved, coaches, support staff, and certainly the players, you know, that they were able to come out and play a little bit more freely and, and just play basketball a little bit. You know, that that goes back to coaching. Like, you, you can't let these, these seasons where things maybe take a turn early or even like a third of the way into the season. Like, your job as a coach is to, to be – able to overcome that or not be impacted by it, but it didn't happen that way. And, and now that a little bit of that pressure has been relieved, you know, we've, we've seen some encouraging results, you know, win again tomorrow. That's, that's called a winning streak. It, it has happened before. It just doesn't feel like it at Nebraska. Bogues, how much money you, you throwing out in Vegas on uh, Nebraska to keep this Jimmy, Jimmy V uh, run going here in the Big Ten tournament? Are you going to get just get weird? Um, well, <laughs> I, I haven't looked yet at their Big Ten tournament title odds, but the good news <laughs> is, is uh, this this track record leading up to it means you should get you should get pretty log odds. So really, you know, you could you could throw a twenty spot down on the Huskers to win the Big Ten title and. You know, if you lose, you know, maybe you just have a couple, couple fewer cups of coffee the next week. No big deal. But if you win, yeah, you, you know, buy a you Russian get, get yacht. That's big to to reinvest in uh, the NCAA tournament. There we go. Vogue's always thinking. Vogue's have a good weekend. Enjoy the pulled pork, man. Thanks for a few minutes. Yep. Thanks a lot, guys. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us, Varsity dot com and magazine at Brandon L Vogel on Twitter. I would do it, Cranack. You're closer to Council Bluffs than I am. I need to Venmo you some money. And let's just put 50 bucks on Nebraska men to uh, to go Jimmy V. What would that turn into? A hell of a lot of beer and nachos for us. <laughs> I mean, what what would that what would that yield? <laughs> it would be it would be the the most <sighs> Of all the maddening Nebraska basketball seasons and teams and getting your hopes up, it would be, you know, full Monty Nebraska basketball. Watch, well, you know, only only to lose in the first round again. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, we drew Duke. Sweet. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up what are, what are Nebraska's odds and what would $50 turn into to make the tournament. Might take a little bit to find just to it, make but. the tournament. Look up when to turn the win the tournament. Come yeah, on, Big Ten tournament. Yeah, no, I'm talking so NCAA tournament. Look up the odds to win the dude, NCAA. No, tournament. no, 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 no. I mean, if you're gonna down. go, That's... go big. <laughs> you, you're one, you are one that F one fifty brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's uh, let's take a quick time out. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity continues, and uh, get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Hale Varsity Radio. And also on YouTube, uh, the Iron Horse up next. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. We're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... 
two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Thanks for making time. Weekend edition of Tailbar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Crane, and Elijah Herba. We welcome in the Iron Horse, and we have done some, some research. The dear friend of the show, Iowa Russ, chiming in with Big Ten Basketball Championship odds. Uh, so you drop 50 bucks to win $10,000. Gary Sharp, would you like to make an investment? How are you? Uh, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty protective of my money. I play smart money, uh, so I think I will hold off. But uh, good morning, guys. It's uh, now March. It's been kind of mad this week, huh? It's just, just a touch, my friend. It is. How much did you bleed last night just watching the Nebraska women uh, absorb all of those uh, non-calls against Michigan? Ooh. Oh, that was uh, that was rough. That kind of shows you the adversity that they've gone through, really all season long. That they're kind of built for that, but it got to be one-sided. I just that was a heck of a game last night. That's an easy team to root for. Um, I think people call them gritty, uh, but they are they are gritty and they kind of have a moxie. And again, they've had some adversity on and off the floor this season, but they're also really good. Amy Williams has put together a really good roster, and for them to beat Michigan twice this year, because I think that's a really good Michigan team especially how they beat him in Lincoln by 20-plus, and then to find a way last night uh, to win that game when it looked like, first of all, it wasn't going to go their way and it was going to go to overtime. I think that says a lot about Amy Williams and, and what her program represents. And you could tell a lot of people got excited last night. I mean, that was a collective. Everybody was watching. And it was something finally good that everybody could agree on in Husker Nation. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So what are the chances that Nebraska gets a W, the men's team? gets A.W. in the Big Ten tournament? Uh, so right now they would play Maryland, uh, and Maryland's playing really, really well. I don't know. They're a strange team. They just had a strange week, you know. Nobody could have seen Sunday night coming to Penn State. And, of course, I mean, we were all like, whoa, what's going on in Columbus? Um, I don't know. You know, this time of the year, it's all about getting hot. I don't know if Nebraska's getting hot or if Trey McGowan's is, you know, he is the Trey McGowan's that we expected because he's healthy now and he's kind of the glue guy. I'll be curious to see tomorrow because I know Wisconsin doesn't want to share the Big Ten championship. So the Colts Center will be rocking once again. We'll see how Nebraska responds to that adversity if things go south because we know when they've gone south this year, you know, they haven't necessarily gotten – they haven't been able to fix it. But look, at they've, they've set the pace and they played well the last two games. So I'm excited to see what, what happens. But in the Big Ten tournament, man, I don't like the matchup against Maryland. No, I don't either. Maryland's had uh, a lot of talent, and uh, they've underachieved. And quite frankly, uh, you had Turgeon bounce out, and Danny Manning took over. And uh, Maryland's got enough dudes to to be a tournament team, man, and, and they just aren't. Gary, want to go to spring football, bud? And you know, I, I really enjoyed Mickey Joseph's um, time at, at the the round table. I think he's just big time, and we we spent time on on bets, and he got pretty detailed into the the consistency aspect, the bets, and the maturity. But I want to get your take. How do you think Omar Manning responds to the Trey Palmer competition and Alante Brown competition uh, in that slot spot? Well, you know, I mean, we we would like to say, hey, Omar, finally time. Uh, we have no idea what we're going to get out of Omar Manning. And you have to ride the roller coaster. When, when the coaster is going well, there's all kinds of possibilities. But I, I would hold off on Omar Manning for this spring. Let's just see if he makes it through spring and, and how he develops and where he fits. Um, 
But at this point, Nebraska's in a situation. I don't care about Omar Manning's feelings. You know, you've got Trey Palmer, who's very talented, and guys behind him that want to get on the field, and it's go time. Like a guy like Xavier Betts, guys, has responded in kind. Uh, you know, he's finally, I think Mickey Joseph has invested into Xavier, and I think Xavier has invested into his craft of playing wide receiver, and it's kind of go time for him as well. I like that wide receiver room. But here's, here's the interesting thing for both of you guys. You know, the last couple of years, we haven't had – we haven't been big fans of certain position group coaches. And if a player is not playing, i.e. a bets, we go, man, Lubick doesn't know what he's doing. If a running back rotation is off kilter, man, hell doesn't know what he's doing. Hasn't it shifted? Like if Xavier Betts is not on the field in the fall, that's on Xavier. That's not a Mickey Joseph thing. Mm-hmm. If, if a particular running back isn't on the field or the rotation is odd, it's not, man, what's, what's Ryan Hell doing? It won't be what's Brian Applewhite doing. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Those two guys in particular this first week just listening between the lines, they're, they're commanding a lot of respect. And what they do in their respective rooms and who plays during games, that's on the player. That's not going to be going, hey, coach, do you know what you're doing? It's, that's, that's yeah, a good it take. I mean, that's the feel. It, <laughs> well, because you have so many options at a lot of the different spots, but you don't have anything solidified. That's that's what is really fascinating about this spring. I think, like right now, the only player you can really players that you can take to the bank is being like they are going to play a lot for sure. It's Casey Thompson. It's Travis Vokalek. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Who else? Who else can you sit here and with a hundred percent confidence say, "Yep, that's a starter. That's a contributor." Especially here in the spring when you have, you know, a couple of the tackles like Prohaska and Turner Corcoran out. Um, I mean, who else can you take to the bank as for sure, surefire, 100% going to start, going to make waves? Well, I'm glad you brought up Prohaska because we'll put him on the side because if he is healthy, he's going to be uh, one of your starting tackles. Uh, and then I would probably say Betts and Palmer. Hmm. Yeah, you're that confident with Palmer even? Uh, Trey Palmer is everything that they needed. Uh, in, in a lot of different ways, Mark, at the wide receiver position, and then probably even more of an impact on special teams. Okay. okay. That, and he's a guy that, that's... That, go ahead, Mark. Can you, I was just going to say, can, uh, it's, it's tough to think back to a spring, though, with so little solidified. Yeah. Right? Just, and in, I, I, just, I can't remember one that's been like it. Well, and, you know, let's look at running back is, okay, well, let's play this scenario. Are your... Let's, you get three running backs... Could you make a case that two of the three, one's not going to be able to go until the summer, and the other's not even on campus yet in Allen? I mean, that, that's, I, I, don't think, I don't recall ever a time where the running back room was so up in the air, but yet coming back is a guy that started the majority of the games in Ramir Johnson and a couple of guys that you're going, hey, all right, here we go in the spring. But there may be two of your top three running backs aren't, aren't even around in the spring. They've um, gone after some some talent. You have Applewhite in that transition. We we expect Grant to make an immediate impact with JUCO. Uh, that's what you want from JUCO guys. It's not always been the case in Lincoln recently, where they'll get an opportunity but they don't stick and stay. Uh, Gary Sharp's with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend. Sharpie, uh, I want to go to uh, the defensive line here, Bud. And we know Nash, Nash Hutmacher, the Polar Bears, uh, been a guy that has seen a little bit of time, but there's more fellas behind him. 
and Coach Chenander talking about it this week. Guys can't be young anymore. What are you hearing? What are you feeling about a guy like Jalen Weaver, Roquan Buckley, and uh, you have Mosai Newsom and then uh, Marquise Black? That's that's the last two years of some hard-fought recruiting uh, in the trenches to, to make a difference in the Big Ten. Yeah, and then those and those guys in particular, they built up physically where they are at least as they try and figure out their craft, they're at least physically they're in a good spot to look like a Big Ten defensive lineman. I, I think the biggest thing for Mike Dawson is you gotta keep a couple guys in bubble wrap. You gotta keep a Casey Rogers, you gotta keep a Ty Robinson. I, I think that's just important. You can't afford to have those guys go down. Um, you know, you need to protect them because they need to be key cogs. I, I think it's you know, like Hutmacher's an interesting guy. We're excited to see him, and he's there's no doubt he's a bull, and he's going to be tough to move, and he's one of the strongest guys on the roster, if not the strongest guy. Now it's time for him to make a move, and we also don't know how much even an odd front Nebraska will play, but I think Hutmacher's in a good position to play himself into 20 to 25, maybe 30 snaps, depending on what they decide to do with that position and what Nebraska looks like up front coming into the fall. Um, but what, the thing that will linger about the defensive line is, and you'll get a sense of how comfortable Nebraska feels about the younger guys that we just mentioned making an impact where you trust them in the fall is how active is Nebraska in the transfer portal. We saw that mm-hmm. right before spring began. They were dropping offers. If they get more aggressive as spring goes on, I think that tells you everything you need to know about that defensive line. But if I'm Mike Dawson, I'm kind of excited to see those guys develop because some of them are – you know, you've been here for a little bit. Now it's go time, and we recruited you for a reason. You know, Gary, I'm curious what you've heard, if anything, about Jalen Weaver and his physical prowess. And I'm asking because just from a sheer sort of explosiveness and talent perspective, he's he's like a bigger Steve Warren. He's like a he's a bigger Malik Collins in terms of just explosiveness, quickness, sheer athletic ability. But he is huge. I mean, he, he, he is, is a, a giant, giant yeah, human he, being. But he, to, to me, he's sort of like he's, – he's got that X-factor talent and ability. But what I don't know is, you know, he came in like 50 pounds overweight. And yeah. I don't know how that's all coming along. Have you heard anything good, bad, and different? So he's a project. I mean, that's, a, that's not the exact phrase that was told to me. But he's a project from his body. And he hasn't played a ton of football. And so they've kind of got like a piece of clay here to mold, but they like what he can do. I just, I I think getting him in shape for the body they want and then getting him to play defensive line the right way. He's a guy that probably at this point in his career thinks way too much because you're young and it's not natural yet. But watch him. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm glad you brought him up, Mark. I wouldn't be surprised if they put him in some key situations in the spring, just to see how he responds, because he's somebody that's definitely on the radar. You just have to figure out a guy that big, what is his role, and how many snaps he could give you a game as well. Gary Sharps with yeah, us I'm, here. Oh, sorry, oh, go for it, Mark. Just real quick, Elijah, sorry. Yeah, it no, just, no but am I overselling that? I just, I just honestly feel like when you look at high school tape, and it's high school tape, I get it, you know. Um, but his closing speed – his just his arm length. I mean, he is just built way different, and his athleticism is way different than anybody else. Whether you can put it together is a whole other yeah. question, right? But yeah. just in terms of sheer ability, I I don't think Nebraska's had much better over the past 10, 20 years. 
and he looks like a Big Ten defensive lineman. That's what a Big Ten defensive lineman in the West is supposed to look like. Um, I agree with you. I, I think it's, he's an interesting guy that really flew under the radar in the recruiting, but he's got an opportunity just because how big he is. But watch him in the spring. If, if you start to see videos and he's featured, then that's definitely a good thing. Gary Sharp's with us here, the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Gary, Mark had a question for Brandon that I really uh, enjoyed, so I'm going to rehash that question here with you. Uh, he asked, uh, essentially, who's the most likely candidate on this Nebraska defense to make an off-schedule play? N- Nebraska's losing that guy in their 2021 defense in, in JoJo. He was the most likely guy to-, to make a play in the backfield, make an off-schedule play. So who could the guy be for Nebraska in 2022 that's going to step up and-, and make some off-schedule plays for the defense? I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be going to get into the backfield, but I am all in on Quentin Newsom. I think Quentin Newsom gave us enough last year where he showed that he's a good tackler, that he's smart, he's got an instinct to chase the ball. Um, I think he is poised for a big, big season. And that's a guy, you know, this is a defense that still has to create more turnovers, and he's a guy that I think will create havoc in the back end. I, I, I think that opposite spot that's open from him at cornerback, um, that will be a popular place to target by Big Ten teams because I don't think they're going to want much of uh, Newsom in his second year. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, Quentin Newsom, but I also think it all has a lot to do with the faith that Travis Fisher has put in him that is going to allow Newsom in only his second year, I believe, to be one of the better defensive players on Nebraska's roster. I think Quentin's been able to get some confidence through through some reps and through time on the field. And I'm excited to see him put another year together, Gary. And, and I think you're right about that with Coach Fisher. Sharp, you going to flip gears and some reaction yesterday with, with Ohio State being interested in Flores out of Gretna. What's your, uh, what's your take on this? Obviously, the, the 2023 and, of course, Junior Day is going on as well with some monster in-state prospects. Uh, you have Malachi and Noonan and, of course, Davion Hall uh, for 2023. But uh, where where do things stand, in your opinion, for Nebraska with in-state talent now as we look at this 2023 class and reaction to, to Flores getting Ohio State interest? Well, let's start with him. Uh, he was supposed to be at Junior Day, and – they're not going to go anywhere that has not offered their son. Um, and, and, you know, and I, we don't know the full extent of why Nebraska's not interested or they're not kicking the tires. I just know there's been little contact since last summer, and there's a lot more interest in him. It's crazy to think that a quarterback at Gretna High School in Nebraska who is getting Power 5 offers can't get the attention of Nebraska. If you're Nebraska, the best way to go at this, if you are still interested, and your ears have to perk up when you hear that he might be taking a trip to Columbus to go visit with the quarterback whisperer and Ryan Day, is just come back and say, hey, we made a mistake. I don't know what's happened here in the past. We, we further, further evaluated. We really want to move this process down the road. Um, I think you could, you could go that route if you were Nebraska, and that would be received very well. But I don't know, guys. I just we, we, we all talk about him and, and going to Nebraska and stay at home. I don't know that we're going to be able to talk this into existence for some odd reason. And those offers and that attention is going to continue to pile up. I mean, people, people will lose their mind if a kid in the Omaha metro area goes to Ohio State at quarterback and never received an offer from the end state school. Is, well, Gary, isn't it one of those things just like – 
what is the worst that can happen? I'm, I'm serious. Like, what's the worst that can happen by offering and recruiting him? And he shows up. Like, what? Is he going to take away from the – is he going to be a locker room cancer? Is he not going to work hard well, enough? Do you, lose, do, do you lose Watson? I mean, that's the other thing. Well, you no, know, I think nowadays, guys, at that position, I mean, Nebraska just went out shopping. and They got two guys that could be their number one and number two quarterback. I don't think you have to worry about anybody's feelings. But if you are committed to Watson and that's the kind of quarterback you want and you're the guy that gets to decide if we're going to offer scholarships and you don't like a particular thing about a quarterback, we can't force that coach to sign off on a scholarship. It's just there's too many things that say here's a four-star four-year starter at a Class A school that won a state championship that in your stadium in a in the wind through darts through, and everybody says, man, that kid is big time. Uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of an interesting process, but I think, I don't think Nebraska is out of it, but I think Nebraska would have to, if they were going to get into this derby, they would have to say, hey, we made a mistake. Let's move forward. This is what we like. Here's an offer. But I just, again, there, there's a lot telling me that's not going to happen. He's going to continue to get offers from Big 12 schools, Big 10 schools. And, you know, it's not, not guaranteed he's going to get an offer from Ohio State. But, again, a state where it doesn't produce a lot of high school quarterbacks, somebody's getting an interest from the Ohio State. That has to make Nebraska go. Let's go through frame by frame to figure out why we don't like him, why we like him, and what we're going to do, and either do it and offer a scholarship or move on because it's doing nobody good. Sharpie, uh, we'll get you out of here. State basketball gets rocking on Monday. How are you feeling about Class A? Um, is there a dark horse and is there a favorite? Uh, I know there's the obvious seedings, but, man, the Metro is so good this year. Well, I'm particularly biased towards Omaha Westside, and they've got a really, really good team. They spent the majority of the year at number one. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting Class A tournament. I, I will give you who I think will be the favorite, and they're kind of – they're the number two seed, but they're kind of quiet. Is Bellevue West? I think I think Doug Woodard has got a really good team. You know, it doesn't have Chucky, it doesn't have Frankie, but they are well built, and they have a Cola Ropes brother who joined them in the second semester. Uh, I like Bellevue West, but I, I think it's going to be a great uh, Class A boys state basketball tournament, and I really I think it'll be unique for everybody with the boys and girls going on at the same time in Lincoln, and hopefully we can adopt this format where. You are playing every other day because I think we'll see the basketball and the championship games be a lot better because you're not playing three games in three days. Mm -hmm. Very fair. Gary, have a great weekend, brother. Thanks for the time, and we'll check in next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Radio. Just good stuff from him, as as always, on on the Metro Cranac with with the Flores situation. But, you know, you just wonder about – Nebraska has seen Florence throw. You wonder about uh, the the previous evaluation and how much evaluation's gone on with the the new quarterback guy. And we'll see. We'll see where it shakes out. I like Watson, but I I would be sick if I'm a Nebraska fan and and a guy like Flores gets away to a to a was, peer school. Was, was McCaffrey a better thrower? No. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> Great night. Have a good weekend, man. You as well.